It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. I've got my good friend, Dan Mike, with me this morning. He's a teaching pastor at Crossroads Bible Church. Dan, it's so good to have you back and just love you, love your ministry. It's awesome having you here. Good morning, Perry. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Happy to be here. So what does it take to become a person of great faith? Short answer, it takes a long time. But the longer answer, look at the life of Noah. And that's what we're going to do on today. Genesis 6, 5 and following, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord decided, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created, for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So God commands Noah to build an ark to save his family. He builds it. His family goes into it. The waters of judgment rise. The human race perishes except for Noah's family. Finally, the waters recede and Noah and his family come out of the ark onto dry land. And God says, never again will I destroy the earth with a flood. From now on, the rainbow is my reminder to you that I'll never again destroy the earth with a flood. It is a story of God's judgment, but mostly it's a story of how God saves the human race through one man, Noah. And what did it take for Noah to be that man? It took faith. You know, as I was thinking about this story, you know, it is, as I mentioned, Dan, it is a story of judgment, but really, ultimately, it's a story of salvation. Don't you think? Yeah, all these stories that we find in, in the Old Testament like this, they're, they're indicators to us about how we can live our life as a life of faith as well. I mean, that's what Hebrews 11, as it lays out all of these major Old Testament characters, indicates. And, and Noah's right there on the list. He did this out of faith in God. And so it should encourage us um, as we look at this, rather than look and see a hero that we can never be like, somebody that we actually can be like that's there for us, cheering us on, encouraging us to be like him as well. Yeah, so so all the human race had become so corrupted. Every inclination of the heart was only evil all the time. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now, does this mean he was some moral celebrity? You know, that he was just such a perfect guy that God decided, you're, you're just such a good person, Noah. You're doing all the right things, so I'm going to save you. Well, if you read the story to the end, it certainly doesn't seem that way. He does have kind of what I would call a crash landing at the end of this story, um, which is sort of a, a motif in the Hebrew scriptures. There's always something that shows us that these people are normal, regular failures like the rest of us. The Hebrew word for favor um, in this in this verse is the same word that we translate grace. Mm. And so when Noah, when when God looks upon Noah, he sees, he sees him with the eyes of grace, and there's a grace on his life. And so he is kind of the uh, person depicted in this story, someone walking out that grace uh, that that we also have over our lives as well. When the Lord looks at us too, and so, so there's a time in his life where he where he realized, I need God, 
I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy of God's favor. But God have mercy on me. You have to believe there was a time when he said, I just, I know that I'm like the people around me and I need God's grace. I need God's mercy. So how he found favor was admitting he needed favor that he didn't deserve. Yeah, I think so. And this is, this is in the Hebrew blessing, this same exact word when it says, and the Lord lift his countenance upon you with great graciously, right? It's the same word favorably. He looks upon us all. And so there's something inside of Noah um, that's drawing him his eyes up to, towards the Lord, and he responds to him in, in, in a way that's honoring to God. God calls Noah to build an ark, and this is something he's never done before. I don't know if an ark had ever been built before. I guess you got to imagine Noah's response is, sure, what's an ark? <laughs> hey, right. Just to give a little color commentary there, it's like, what, what, am I, uh, what am I doing? And as you read the story, it seems like God's pretty specific with Noah about how to do it, how, how to measure something, how, to, how many rooms to build, how to make that, um, how to make that happen. And when I'm thinking about it, I'm, I'm seeing this thing. God, are you really like kind of micromanaging this this whole project here? But if you step back and look at that and think of it from the perspective of Noah, if he didn't know what this was, what a gracious thing for God to do to say, I am not going to just tell you to do something, ask you to step out in faith towards me and not give you some clear direction as to what that looks like. So we need God to micromanage us sometimes at times now like with abram god said go and in a sense he micromanaged him because well he gave him a direction to go he knew that he had the ability to walk this mm -hmm. was a much more simple plan right just walk to canaan <laughs> right and with the tabernacle in the wilderness and the temple in jerusalem god micromanaged that a little more of a complicated process there. Gave yeah. really minute instructions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I was um, working at a coffee shop 10, 15 years ago, uh, you know, they let me make the coffee once or twice, but I really didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have uh, an eye for detail in that way. And man, when people are coming in, ready to get their coffee in the morning, they are a whole different personality. People are just really antagonistic in this situation. And my managers were like, look, we need this to be done a certain way. And they, they had to step in and show me, this is exactly what it looks like. This is exactly how much you should put in. It's not up for my interpretation, which is what I thought, you know, yeah. and that resulted in me having a few hot chocolates thrown at me or whatever. Um, because there was too much whipped cream and whatnot, but I needed somebody to show me this is exactly what this looks like in order for me to be able to even do the job. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm thinking of the person right now who's who's thinking, man, I wish God would micromanage me because I just don't know what to do. What can you say to them? I would say God has given us in Christ a very specific revelation. This is what his heart is, this is what he looks like. And when Christ says, pick up your cross and follow me, I'm going to show you what that looks like. Not like as in you have to do a work of atonement, 
but is in a revelation of the character and nature of God. He is one who says, this is what love looks like. And I'm calling you to love the world mm. as I have loved you. Ah, I get it. So I'm calling you to follow me and live a life of love. And I've already shown you how to do it. Yeah. This and, is how the world will know. And I've given you the power to do it. That's something we don't talk about enough. The power of the Holy Spirit, because without the Holy Spirit, we can't live the life of love. So now Noah knows how to build an ark. And he starts building the ark, which has never been done before, at least in his vicinity. And people are going, what? You're crazy, Noah. You are crazy. Dan Mike is the teaching pastor at Crossroads Bible Church. Something you really got to look out for in life is when when you're trying to step out in faith and there's sort of an arc on your heart that maybe you've never seen before, but God's leading you there. Something to really pay attention to is that there's not going to be a lot of validation from the people um, of this world. They're they're going to, they're just, it, it's probably going to not make sense to them. It's probably going to be something that they think is not wise or um, you can't be looking for your validation from um you know, the peanut gallery on this. Something I've found out throughout my life is that for every person who believes in me, I've got a hundred critics. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, isn't that the case? Yeah. You got to be careful you listen to because our minds are like Velcro to negativity and Teflon to positivity, you know? Yeah. So your mom saw an arc. And everybody thought she was crazy. I'll never forget my mom driving. She just said she was driving down the road and she was a school teacher. And she looked at this, this old road commission building and she just said, there's something here. There's something here for the youth of this city, uh, the city I grew up in. I see a skate park. I see a, a basketball court. It's a concert venue, a coffee shop. And nobody else could see it <laughs> at first. And then she just kept stepping out in faith and that thing took shape and is still there to this day, a, a place of refuge and fun um, for a safe place for kids to grow up. And um, it's just remarkable. In the dangerous neighborhoods of Houghton Lake. <laughs> but she got some pushback. You know, she, she said to the county commission, you know, give me the keys of this building. And I want this building for free. She definitely had a shoestring budget that she was working on, and and it was again, they didn't understand it, they didn't get it, and I I'll never forget being invited to come to you know a big meeting and thinking it was I better go because nobody's gonna go you know, and I I'm the last person to show up, and there's hundreds of people in this room, um, standing behind her saying yes, this is the right thing to do. We want to see this happen. After she had continued to drum up um, support and vision. People got behind her. Yeah, that's so awesome. So I know of this this pastor, and I've never met him, but and he kept he's in this area. He kept driving by this bank, driving by just a, a beautiful, beautiful building. You know how some banks can be really, really beautiful. And he kept thinking, man, that's a church. <laughs> that's a church. That's a church. And now it's a church. Wow. That's reaching people. And it's one of the fastest growing churches in the area that's really meeting people's needs. And so, you know, somebody right now, they've got a vision. They know what God wants them to do, but they're getting pushback. They're getting opposition. People are throwing shade on them. What can you say to that person who knows, who's got the specifications of the ark, mm. 
but people are saying it can't be done. Yeah. Like I said, if for faith is 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 not going to be something that is very clear at times. It's going to be something that um, by nature, you're going to have to say, I'm trusting God for this. It's like Hebrews 11 says, to, to be sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And so I would say, pay attention to where you're, where you're looking. If you're looking to the world to give you validation, it's probably not going to happen. But your faith is not in this world. And so fix your eyes on Christ. Fix your eyes on Christ. Don't look away from him and keep taking steps towards him. Talk about what somebody in the future learned from Noah's Ark. Well, yeah, like I said, you can't you can't get your validation from other people's approval prior to you doing something that God's put on your heart. But sometimes they will get it when they see you do it. They will. And you never know how far that's going to ripple out. And so I always like to point to this story of a Hebrew woman in the book of Exodus who was in a very bad situation. The Pharaoh had decided to take away all the male children and she had a baby boy. And so she decided to take her historical, I mean, her people's history of faith into consideration and it, the text literally says she took reeds from the river, coated up, made them into a, and the word in English we see is basket, but in Hebrew it's the same word that is used to describe Noah's ark, teva. So she makes an ark and she puts, uh, you know, pitch around the outside of it to make it waterproof, and puts it in the river with her baby boy, and that baby is Moses. And as far as we know, excuse me, as far as we know, that's the only time that word, that Hebrew word is used. It's used in the story of Noah, and it's used in the story of Moses being saved in a basket. You don't find it anywhere else in the Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, so that's why I like to draw a connection there. It just seems so specific that I just like to, 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 to make that connection and to say this is a story of somebody who is taking this seriously and saying, I'm feeling like I got to build an ark too. And I think it's beautiful how God's story just connects. You know, God saves the world through Noah, and then he saves the world through Moses. It's hard to overstate the significance of this action. Of You know, if she hadn't done this, right, we wouldn't have Moses. So God calls Noah to build an ark to save the world, but it's going to take a long time to build this ark. And he's going to, he's going to need to be patient. And, you know, we live in a culture that's not that at all. Yeah. As, as, as I see it, there's just not a lot of people willing to wait and let things really marinate and take time. But when you look at Noah, it says his sons helped him build it. And then, so the way that you look at the, the ages, you know, he was a certain age when he was called, and then a certain age when the flood came. And so if you factor in his sons there, you have anywhere between, I guess, 20 to 60 years or 75, if if you're on the longer end, of a time that it took for them to build this thing. I mean, that is a long time. That's incredible. So I wonder if they had a side hustle called Noah and Sons. You know, have you ever thought about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because they were learning the skills and so. Sure. Anyway, but yeah, I remember... Well, of course I remember uh, my 
family, we packed up everything we owned and we moved to Phoenix, Arizona to join a, a mission community called Frontiers, which reaches Muslims all over the world. And I was so excited because I was going to get to use my radio gifts and my music gifts to share the vision of Frontiers, which is, with love and respect, inviting all Muslim peoples to follow Jesus. So it had never been done before, you know, within Frontiers. This had never been done before, having a radio music guy share the vision. But I was so excited because they were going to help pay for an album, and I was going to do this radio spot. And so I got down there, and I wanted my vision to happen right away. Yeah. Boom. The idea was you do an album, you put out a song, the song goes big, it brings all this attention to frontiers. You know, this was my expectation, and it didn't happen. We put out the song, and it fell flat. And so a year and a half in, I said, I'm done. <laughs> I wanted to give up after a year and a half. Wow. And a really wise man, one of my supporters, he said, Perry, you've done what you had in mind. Now let's see what God has in mind. And that's when the Lord started to build it. And I have continued with Frontiers to this day. And it's taken, that was 2007. It's taken till really in the last few years for it to become what I envisioned. It took a lot longer. Now I was ready to quit. A lot of people are ready to quit. Yeah. And we are all on a journey and we need to know that God, the grain of the universe, I mean, the way that God made things is to go slow and to take a long time and to develop over time and to let character build and let your life story and journey build. And it's not, we need to guard our hearts from that very modern pressure, a very recent, you know, obsession that we live in where we need to get everything right now or else it's, you know, it's, it's an offense to us because we're wasting our time. And, and we need to look at that and say, look, I've got time. Like God's, God's got me. We are in a long relationship with one another and give ourselves a little bit of uh, room to breathe. Yeah. Eugene Peterson wrote this book. I don't know if you've read it. A long obedience in the same direction. That's really what it is. I mean, our culture worships the time God. Talk about the time God. Well, it's weird because we know the difference between, you know, someone who, we have the expression, I wasn't born yesterday. Mm -hmm. why, why does that expression mean something? Because we know that there's a reason why we should trust things that take time to prove, that take time to develop and, and to show that they're worthy of like, um, you know, our, our trust and value and Yet we live in a culture right now that is just like inundated with um, people being told that you you don't have to you don't have to do a long obedience in the same direction. You can actually just rip the bandaid off now and give up on this or give up on that. And and God's calling us to obedience that may take a long time. And so I just want to say, don't listen to that voice, whatever it may be, that tells you. I don't have to listen to God. I get to make the decision now and do what I want to do and, and just say, no, one more day, I'm going to trust God. So what do you do personally when you feel like the time God wants you to bow down? Take a deep breath. I go for a walk. I go for a long walk every single day. Mm. And it takes me a long time to walk for a long walk. And I like to remind myself, it's okay to let things take time. I also... 
Don't use a microwave that often. I, I don't know if that's just me. I'm just saying we don't need it right this second unless I'm making, you know, quick popcorn or something like that. But yeah. I don't know. Practice this. I, I have a smoker at home. It takes time, <laughs> it takes time to build up the, you know, the meats in that way and, and just enjoy your day. There's actually a, an arc in some part of the southern states in oh, Arkansas, yeah. I think. No, I think it's in Kentucky, right? The north north of Kentucky. And they took a lot of the sp specifics, I think, from the book of Genesis to build this thing. I guess it's massive. It is. I've been there, actually. You have? Yeah. So I happen to be going on my honeymoon, and, and we, we got too tired. We had to s spend the night somewhere you know, on our way to Tennessee where we were going. And then I woke up, I was like, there's this thing called the Creation Museum right over here. And they, they had this whole thing built. It was so pretty remarkable. Is it is it man does it look big when you see it? Oh yeah. Do you go like, wow, the ark is huge? Yeah. Massive. Okay, so it took Noah let's say it took Noah sixty years to build the ark. You know, he had to year forty one. I don't want to get up and work today. Yeah. You know, but he, but he takes the next step. Well, the thing Perry that we need to believe in is incremental change. He didn't build the ark in a day. It was one thing today and the next thing tomorrow. And you have to be able to pace your life in that way. Um, the last time I was able to speak to my grandfather, he told me that um, he prays for me every day. And I believe him. And I had, I went for a walk that day and I just thought, I'm going to think of any day that comes to mind of my life, whatever, and, you know, five, six days, you know, flash through your mind, you know, whatever age you're 13 or 20 or whatever. And I just said, uh, you know, that day, my grandpa prayed for me. Mm. And the next day came and it was like, yep, that day he prayed for me. And I'll tell you what, there were days and years and seasons where I was in dark places and times where you might not know what's going to happen. You know, where am I going to end up in life? And he had all the reason that he could have to give up mm -hmm. and he didn't. And I'll never know the full impact or, you know, the full picture of, of what that did uh, to help guide and lead my life um but i can only say i'm thankful for somebody who said i am going to just today i'm gonna do what i can do today yeah so he i'm sure he knew about those hard times in your life when it didn't look like his prayers were working out for yeah. you yeah you know he's essentially building an ark in you yeah he wants you to become an ark he wants you to become someone who can save others but when he doesn't see Dan Mike doing very good at age 17, let's say, he's, I'm getting up this morning. I'm going to pray for Dan. Yeah. This is where faith turns into faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And faithfulness is one, uh, you know, where incremental change over time continues to be the story. And in the end, that's what we want. We want to look at Jesus and hear him say, well done, good yeah. and faithful. That is that is the words that we're looking for. And faithfulness doesn't come from just doing it one time. It's yeah. It comes from every day choosing to say, regardless of what I can see today, regardless of if I need the results right in this moment or not, I'm just going to say today I'm going to choose to serve the Lord and be faithful. 
Noah and his family get off the ark. Finally, the waters recede. And God says, I'm never going to do that again. Now, you know, when I was a kid and my dad gave me a spanking, <laughs> he never said, Perry, I'm never going to do that again. The spanking was meant to be a deterrent because if you do that again, Perry, you're going to get a spanking. And God doesn't say, I'm going to do this again. It's not very efficient, is it? You know, I mean, this would be kind of counterintuitive. God should have a button, like a flush button or something like that, that his fingers just say, hey, hey, I, you know I'm serious. I'll do this. I'll One, do it. Two, three. Who does this? Who says after this whole event, hey, just so we're clear, I just wanted to be very clear. I want to be so clear. I'm going to leave a sign for you henceforth to know I'm not doing that. I'm not doing this all the time. I'm not, that's not something I want on your shoulder, like constantly terrorizing you if you do something wrong or whatever. I think this is a sort of a quote from a message you gave on this. And you said something like, God doesn't want to bake fear into our relationship with him. Yeah, I think he wants our faith more than he wants our fear. Fear's a good motivator um, for, for yes, as we all know, who has if we have kids. Um, but the better motivator is love. And so if you can really have a relationship that is based on the right things, then there will be good harmony, fruitful development cultivated into that relationship. Uh, and I think that's what God ultimately wants with us. Yeah. So it's it's crazy to think about, though, because, I mean, God really did bring the hammer down with the flood. But then he said, I'm not going to do this again. Yeah. I want you to be a people who you know how powerful and holy and awesome I am, but I want you ultimately to follow me and live for me because you love me. And then we go to Jesus and... We hear his followers saying stuff like, we love him because he first loved us. I mean, that's really, that's really how we need to live our lives, not out of a fear of judgment. Yeah. And so I'd say choose what master you want to serve is the master that's serving, that you're serving uh, when you really evaluate your life. One that's saying threats to you. Like if you don't do what I want you to do, X, Y, and Z is going to happen or is it is this constantly this fear that's driving the decision that you're making or is it is it love and when we look up and look to Christ and we see somebody that we love and say I cannot believe I'm a part of this right now but this is where I'm so into this because I see him and I see who he is I used to look at that verse in Philippians 2 that said every knee will bow and tongue confess and think it was coerced. But now I actually think the only coercion that's necessary is because uh, of our uh, of charm, of the love that we see. When we see Jesus, of course, we can't help but confess and say, yeah, that is it. That is true love. He is the one that's worthy. Because the true heart of God at the core of God's heart is love. And there is judgment in God's heart. But the thing is, Jesus came and the judgment fell on him. Yeah. The judgment came down on Jesus, fell on Jesus, never to fall again. Noah built an ark to save the world and they come out of the ark and there's a rainbow in the sky. Now this isn't the first time a rainbow has appeared in the sky. 
Talk about the the rainbow and God reframing the the whole message of the rainbow. Any anything in the ancient I mean this is very just common in the ancient Near East, something that happens naturally uh, that could in in some way resemble an a weapon would all often become right like the you know their their symbol for a war or or something like that. And so if you read some of the older translations of this I will set my bow. It doesn't even say rainbow. It's 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 very clear, like the bow. And I, I have read stories of where people would go into war uh, and see that sign and be a sign of, uh, you know, favor over their war and whatnot, let alone the direction that it's pointing. I mean. So you're saying in the ancient world, people believed that this was like humanity fighting the gods? Well, I'm saying that there are there are several different stories that you can see where people would interpret the rainbow as a sign of war or a sign where they are getting rain. Let's say they had to shoot the god in the with point the I bow see. at the air and then get rain from that and and shoot the god to get him to do something. Yeah. Okay. And so in this case, though, you see a reversal. This is a, a huge biblical motif of this radical reversal where God is saying, I don't want you to see that and think that there is some sort of war between us. Mm. I want you to interpret this very specifically in, in terms of a covenant that I'm making with you and a covenant of peace. Mm. So it changes from this thing of, you know, having to shoot at God to get him to do something for me because he's he's mean to a symbol of a God who's good, a God of love. Yeah. That reminds me of another another symbol. Yeah. Well, it took a while, but I mean, I, and I was trying to do the math on this uh, earlier the, this week, but it was, it was several years, if not 20 years before the Christian uh, was able to actually receive the symbol of the cross. They used a fish for a while, and this was such a war-torn, shame-ridden, you know, execution symbol that they could not identify until you get to, I mean, there isn't even a cross mentioned in James, the first New Testament book, but once you get to Galatians and you start to see Paul say, I was crucified with Christ because he loved me and gave himself up for me. I mean, it's like, this is our symbol. And God did another radical reversal with that symbol. And now it has become one of the world's most famous symbols of hope. To show us what God is like, and this is this is something that just came to me, you know, where the bow is an arrow pointed at God to get God to do something for us. But you can look at it in a gospel way. The arrow that we deserve yeah. went up to God and pierced him, yeah. pierced the son so that we can be forgiven and we can be saved. And so ultimately, a life of faith goes back to Jesus. Yeah. The great person of faith who without him we 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 can have no faith at all. It's our cross. It's our cross in what sense? Once you see that cross, remember that once was a symbol of us all. I mean where we all deserve and what the the punishment that we all deserve he took and he said I'm I want this to now be a symbol of how much love I have for you. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real life journey with you. The content from the Perry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Perry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.